0: Welcome back to the More Than Social podcast, where we help entrepreneurs build and scale their businesses using digital marketing strategies. Today, we have a very special guest, Chantel. She's a copywriter, course provider, and fellow entrepreneur. Chantelle is an expert in email marketing for program launches, and that's what we're going to talk about all today. So, if you're an entrepreneur who's planning to launch a program, whether that's a course, a membership site, a coaching program, you'll definitely want to tune in to today's episode. Chantelle is going to share her insights and best strategies on how do you have that successful launch. So, without further ado, let's get started. Let's bring Chantelle on. Hey, Chantelle, welcome to the More Than Social Podcast. Thank you for having me. Nice to see you. You too. I'm super excited to dive into everything email marketing around launching. But before we do that, can you just tell our listeners who you are, what you do, and how you got started in your business?
1: Yeah, yeah sure. So my name is Chantel Davidson, and I'm a copywriter and a copywriting coach. And I started my business five years ago, five and a half years ago. Now, good time flies. Um, so I used to work in corporate sales, and I always loved writing, but it was more of a hobby than anything. And eventually after working in corporate sales for about six, seven years, realized that being employed just wasn't for me. I'm I'm unemployable. I (laughs) needed to do my own thing. And I wanted to run my own business and copywriting because of the sales background and the writing, plus the degree in English literature, it just felt like a really natural fit. And once I started exploring it, realized that it was definitely a skill and something I really enjoyed as well. So I've been working with business owners for the last five or so years, helping them find the words to sell what it is they do, because a lot of business owners struggle with that, I think.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like finding the right words is like Mm. the key to everything. But it's so hard when you're especially when you're looking at your own business, I find it's hard to to take a step back and just really see the big picture. So copywriting is truly a gift in my opinion, but it's also awesome that you're doing something that you truly love. I think like for me, even as a business owner, I think that's really important to find what it is that you love and just make sure that you're continuously doing that every single day.
1: One hundred percent. Yeah, you're right, and it is—it is so hard to be objective about your own business as well. You know, we we all know it's easy to look at other people's other people's businesses and their messaging and be like, "Oh, this is obviously the important point." But I think when we know so much about our own, it's really hard to see the woods from the trees. You you can't figure out what the important points are because all of them feel important to you when it's your thing, it's what you're passionate about. So yeah, absolutely,
0: absolutely Now, like I said, I wanted to talk a lot about launching um, Mm -hmm. and using email marketing specifically to. can you just give a quick little insight into why launching for any program so whether it's a course a membership coaching program doesn't matter but why is launching important and even what success have you seen with launching
1: yeah so i I definitely think launch is important and and not even just in the traditional sense as well i think in the online world particularly in sort of bubble of courses and content creation and stuff like that we've become used to these live big big launches but actually there's lots of different ways to launch whether it's kind of lazy evergreen massive masterclass, challenge, whatever. But I think without a launch, generally speaking, you're expecting people to walk in without a shop front. You you're not giving people any indication of what's available, how to get it, or yeah, or what it costs or any of the information about it. So a launch in my opinion, essentially just giving people the information they need to make a decision and doing so with as much visibility and as much, yeah, as much access to you and, and all the important information as you possibly can. In terms of my success launching, so yeah, I, I think I did my first live launch three years ago, uh, this September. And, I did it all wrong, of course, as we do when we first start oh, something. Oh, um, <laughs> but, you know, it felt so exhilarating. And, of course, since then I've learned and adapted. And and I think that you get as much from the failures as you do from the successes, actually. You know, there's been some launches where I hit my targets and it was brilliant And somewhere it fell a little flatter than I hoped. But I think from all of those, especially from the failures, I've learned so many lessons. So yeah, (laughs) launching, I think for every bit on my business a launching is always a bit of a love-hate thing because you get this huge adrenaline rush and it's so exciting and it's where you really come into your element. But there's so much hinging on it too, especially if you have a business that's a bit of a launch cycle business. You go mm-hmm. through these these kind of huge highs and, and put a lot of pressure on yourself. So it's yeah. super
0: important, but it's also really important to do it the right way
1: and not yeah, not put too much pressure on yourself. You not not
0: it. the way that we both started our launches. Yeah. I remember <laughs> the first time. I launched and it was for my course, The Spotlight Theory. I decided like last minute, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to launch this. And it was Mm -hmm. brand new. So this is 2019. I'm just going to launch it this weekend. And there was no lead up time, no like prep time. And I was like, I'm going to host a masterclass (laughs) this Saturday at two. I was living at my parents' house at the time. Mm -hmm. So in my bedroom, I turned around my dresser. That was my pretend desk. And it was, it, it worked, but it was an absolute nightmare. I would never do that now. I have more of a structure, but sometimes you just got to do it. But like you said, those failures or when you are just kind of throwing things at the wall, something will stick and then you kind of learn from that. So it's a, right. it's a fun thing, but yes, you're totally right that it can be up and down, up and down. Now you mentioned different types of launches. So whether mm-hmm. that's evergreen, a masterclass, doing a challenge, have you found success with one particular one or do you personally do multiple types of launches
1: it depends what i'm launching for courses i find that challenge launches tend to work really well my coach or the coach i've worked with the last few years in a mastermind lisa johnson teaches a really great challenge genius strategy for launching so i followed that with quite a lot of successful group coaching programs Mm -hmm. for one-to-one services i find that a more intimate launch type tends to be more effective so that might be Purely emails, it might be a masterclass, a workshop, something low ticket to get people in, and then do an upsell at the end. But lazy launching is one of those ones where I think, for, particularly for done-for-you services, we don't need many people. If you've got a reasonable audience, launching with things like louder posts and just generating interest from social media posts and stuff can work really well too. So it it very much depends what it is, but certainly for mm-hmm. programs and for courses, challenges are really are really great because they build that community. And Mm -hmm. a large part of what people are buying into with group programs is that community that you're going to be able to create. So they get a sense of that, they get a feel for what that's going to be like.
0: Absolutely. And then with every single type of launch we just talked about, there's always that email component to it, right? Mm -hmm. There's always going to be if you have an email list, like sending out the emails to either invite them to, let's just say the challenge, but also the follow-up after the challenge. So let's dive into email marketing specifically Mm -hmm. from a copywriting standpoint. You can choose whether you want to use an example, if it's going to be a challenge or a masterclass or the lazy launch that you call (laughs) in it. What do you think needs to be included from an email marketing standpoint to do that launch? And is there like a specific structure that people should follow in terms of how many days out before the program goes live, Anything like that? What do you suggest? Yeah, so I think,
1: well, there's a few different ways of doing it. Certainly, with things like challenges and masterclasses, of course, you want to have a suitable lead up time to invite people to it as well. So that's really important. Like you said, when we were first launched, we sort of throw spaghetti at the wall, but having an actual structure. (laughs) And normally you don't want to leave any less than about six weeks, I think, to start planning this stuff and um, to start communicating with the audience about it. Ideally more (laughs) because ideally we want to be seeding ideas and, and getting people used to the problem that we're going to solve. I think that's really important. Like right up front is getting people problem aware so that when you sell the solution, they actually know that they need it. Because a lot of the time we sell solutions to problems that people aren't consciously aware of, I think, particularly in what you and I do, you know, lead generation, copywriting, sales, people may think they're doing just fine without, <laughs> those things and not realize how much better it could be. So making people problem aware via emails, so via introductions to whatever masterclass challenge, etc., whatever you're gonna be solving that problem awareness emails. And then when you're actually in the launch, I think the key things are letting people know about the benefits, rather than just the features. And with your email communications, that could be through storytelling. So you know, talking about past clients that you've helped and how different their life is after they've bought your product or service, focusing on the transformation, focusing on any objections they might have and how to reframe those things. So um, Donald Miller calls it a paradigm shift in his book, which is really brilliant for anything launch related. Um, But that paradigm shift email is all about you know, you used to see something a certain way, or maybe you have always seen something a certain way. It might be different. It might be like this. There might be something else that's possible for you that you haven't considered. And I think those sort of emails we're inviting people in to visualize a better life. Those are the really impactful ones when it comes to launching, because those are the ones that make people stop and think, huh, maybe that is possible for me because if that person did it, maybe I can do it too. So mm-hmm. the most compelling thing we can do is share proof that our way works. You know, we can share proof, share testimonials, share case studies and stories. Stories are always the most impactful way to sell. If we can tell mm-hmm. stories about ourselves, our journey and, and how we've solved the problem that we help other people solve, and then also how we've done that for clients too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I like that you said like have that six weeks or more lead way up until the launch Mm. to start pre-framing them to want to say yes, or at least acknowledge that, yeah, I'm struggling with this, whatever it actually is. I think that's something really important that one I didn't do when I first launched, but I feel like it's something that everyone (laughs) should be doing. Priming your audience (laughs) is definitely a really good way. And then once you actually are ready to launch your program or invite them into that masterclass or the challenge that we're talking about? Would you do like a 10 day launch up to that point? Or what kind of strategy did you see from an email standpoint? How many emails should we be sending?
1: Yeah. So typically for a sales sequence, as in once your thing is live, I say about six to 10 emails, depending on a couple of things, depending on the price point, depending on the ideal client, depending on how familiar your audience already are with you as well. So if... If you're the kind of person that sends a weekly email, your email list are not gonna be bothered by a few extra ones. So then you know, you can send probably a few more. If you don't contact your list very regularly, you're gonna wanna be a little bit more cautious about bombarding them with daily emails. So I mm-hmm. think these things do ebb and flow a little, but generally I say at least six emails okay. in a week of cart open, because okay. you don't want people to have a chance to miss it. And you yeah. may get some unsubscribes, you will get some unsubscribes during a launch phase but a really great tactic is to use a soft opt out for launches so you can give people a chance to opt out of emails relating to that launch so that if people aren't you know looking for that right now they can stay on your list but opt out of the launch mm-hmm. emails but at least yeah. six you you want to be Inviting them to to join in the very first instance, telling them what the problem you're solving is, what the solution is. You want to show them some kind of paradigm shift. You want to paint a picture of transformation. You want to introduce stories and case studies and testimonials. And these things all, you know, all can be an email in their own right. So at least six emails. You do not want people to miss it. Because a lot of the time we overlook emails. We get so many every day.
0: Yeah. We get some people are bombarded with emails. So six emails minimum over Mm -hmm. a week span-ish, depending on how long your cart is open for. Now, if people are being bombarded with emails, Mm -hmm. sometimes people are going to say, well, email marketing doesn't work. Mm -hmm. How do you kind of go against that? And how do you make sure (laughs) that your emails are going to stand out and people are actually going to open them if they are being bombarded?
1: The most important thing is the subject line. Like anything, it's the headline. That's what's going to grip people and convince them to open. So- There's a few really simple tips for that. Make it something exciting. Make it something that's a bit of a tease, some kind of cliffhanger, an intriguing question, something people will be interested in opening. Don't capitalize every word because that makes it look like a sales email. (laughs) Try not to use too much punctuation. All that kind of stuff is like the, the nuts and bolts of it. But I think a huge part of your success in launches with emails will be your broader approach to emails, to be honest. I I think that, like I said before, if you are not nurturing your email list on a regular basis, your launch emails are going to cause a lot of unsubscribes. People are going to feel bombarded. One of the biggest success features to to launching successfully with email marketing is being consistent with email marketing. Mm
0: -hmm. Because
1: if you suddenly throw six emails out in a week to a group of people who barely ever hear from you, they quite rightly are going to think that person just wants to sell to me. They're not interested Mm -hmm. in building a relationship and they just wanna sell when they're in launch. So I think the, the best tip I can give you is to be consistent, to keep showing up for your email list, for your audience with interesting stories, with funny things that have happened to you. It can literally be anything, but building that relationship and nurturing that before you go into a launch is gonna be just as important as the quality of those launch emails.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And so like every single Thursday, I'll send an email to my list with the podcast episode that goes live. And then when you get into the launch, you ramp that up slightly. But a lot of people I find they don't want to be pushy and they don't want to be salesy, even though they want the sale. So like, is there (laughs) any specific tactics that you can give this to be soft selling or get us out of our own head of saying, yes, you actually have to sell in order to make the sales? Like, is there any strategy from a sales standpoint from an email marketing standpoint?
1: That's a great question. I think there's two things. First of all, if people are on your email list, they have chosen to be there. They have opted in to hearing from you for whatever reason, whether that was a freebie or they just really liked you or they wanted to come along to your launch event, whatever that is, they have opted to be there. And people understand that businesses are transactional, at least partly. They are not actually on your email list because you're best friends or because (laughs) they think you're going to go on holiday together. They're, They're on your email list because they understand that you're a business that provides solutions and they have identified that they have a problem you might be able to help them with. So I think to reframe it in your mind in that way can be really helpful because it helps to remind us that we are actually helping people solve their problems. We're not just selling. And I think some of that friction comes when people see their email lists as as a cash cow, you know, as mm. as I, I go into launch, I make money from these people and then I go away again. And <laughs> I think if we can try and reframe email marketing as giving people all the information they need to make an informed decision, being the guide they need to solve their problem, and then making clear, clear invitations <laughs> for people to take action then we can kind of avoid some of that quagmire mentally that I think people get stuck in around being salesy. Because essentially Mm -hmm. making a sale is one person getting the solution they need, if you're doing it right. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I like that reframing of it. You're leading with value is one, but also Mm -hmm. being that person that you can help that person go from A to B is definitely important but I also like how you said earlier lead with the benefits share the transformation that they're going to get instead of just saying hey you're going to get seven modules and this and this and this like we don't care about all like the features at the end of the day we care about how it's going to help us Mm -hmm. from an audience perspective so leading with that value and just understanding that you are here to help them solve a problem and if they want it fantastic they're going to join yeah Exactly. Sales, I I genuinely think when it comes down to
1: it, sales is just giving people all the information they need to make an informed decision, whether it's right for them or not, because it's not going to be right for everyone. We're not going to sell to every person on email list. And so I think it's just about giving them the information they need, all of the information they need. And then, like I say, that really clear call to action is important too, because when people are confused, when they don't know what the plan looks like, when they don't know what's going to happen, when they click the button, they don't. They don't go there they don't click buttons if they don't know what's happening so it needs to be that really clear call to action you know if you want the solution buy this product Mm -hmm. and i think if we can get really clear then we're being as as generous and as helpful as we can be with our audience and that will benefit you and them
0: yeah and so when you're saying being clear at the call to action are you saying literally just put click here to register versus some creative yes thing yeah yes a hundred
1: percent you see so many of these calls to action I'm not saying you know if, if there's something really clever that is also clear that's fine but I see a lot of people sacrificing clarity in order to be clever funny to have some jazzy silly tagline and people don't walk towards confusion so you know if you want them to buy now the button should say "Buy Now," <laughs> you know, because that is the action you want them to take. And it sounds really simplistic and reductionist, but that—that that is what it comes down to. People want to know what the action they have to take is to get that solution. Enroll now, buy now, click here to sign up. You know, let's be as as clear as we can possibly be. There's a Brené Brown quote I love. It's just clear is kind, unclear is unkind, and that pretty wow. much sums up copywriting
0: <laughs> in a <laughs> nutshell.
1: Is If you can be clear with people, you're much more likely to make a sale.
0: There's so much more to copywriting. You do have a gift as a copywriter. (laughs) But yes, be clear and like even just simplify it. You're explaining it to a five-year-old versus Mm -hmm. you're talking to someone trying to be all creative. But the creativity I know is super important still. But that comes more from the storytelling perspective. Mm -hmm. But what about, so let's just say we have a week where the card is open for an online course, let's say. Yeah. How do you create the urgency? How do you create that excitement without being too pushy? So there's a few things you can do. I mean, things
1: like fast action bonuses and countdown timers. We're all familiar with these these things. And I think Mm -hmm. as long as they're used in an ethical way, those are still really effective tactics. It's just about making sure that you're being genuine. If you say it's a limited time offer, it has to be a limited time offer. If you say there are limited spots available, that has to be a genuine limit. So we're not, it comes back to giving people the information they need, right? So if Mm -hmm. there are only limited spots, making people aware of that is the correct thing to do because you don't want to miss their opportunity. If it's unlimited and you're saying there are only 10 spots, you're pressuring people. You're you're mm-hmm. you know, you're being disingenuous and you're using sleazy sales tactics. And I think that we have to be cognizant of that because our audiences that they, they can see through that stuff now. Like there's mm-hmm. so much of this this kind of pressure selling and bro marketing stuff <laughs> online these days that I think people know when they're being manipulated and they don't like it. They don't feel good about it. So just be as, as honest and transparent as you can about what's available, about the mm-hmm. time it's available for. And I think using power language, using words like now, using words like you that make people feel empowered by signing up rather than pressured to sign up is mm-hmm. the right way of doing that. So we create urgency by saying, you know, you can do this if you sign up now, this is possible for you. You know, those kind that, that kind of language creates
0: mm-hmm. impact and urgency without
1: pressure, I think.
0: So it's more so motivating them that they can actually achieve the result that they're looking for yeah. by this solution.
1: Exactly, because often yeah. people aren't not buying because they don't think your product is good. They're not buying because they don't think it will work for them for whatever reason. Maybe they've tried something similar before or they feel like they've tried everything. So that reframe, that paradigm shift we, we talked about earlier is really important when it comes to creating that empowerment to buy. It's mm-hmm. even if you've tried every kind of whatever it is you're selling before here's why this is different here's why it can work for you and by the way look at these stories of other people just like you who this has worked for that's Mm -hmm. that's empowering people to believe that this is possible for them and then to make the right decision
0: whatever that is I love it Love it. So when you're storytelling in the email specifically, are you doing long format emails or do you try to keep your emails nice and short and concise? Do you ever include videos in your emails? Like, is there a strategy that we should be following from that standpoint?
1: I think long, there's there's kind of a a long and a short answer that people will read emails, long emails, as long as they're good. So if you've got a great story to tell and it's a longer story, share it. And if you can be concise, be concise. You know, I think people are time starved. We're all very busy. So the quicker we can get to the point, the better. But people will come along on the journey with you if you've got really captivating stories. And if you know how to craft those stories in a way that invites them into it, makes them feel, that's what it comes down to is making them feel like they're The hero of the story. Like, if you're telling a story, it's how can they relate? How can you relate it to them? How is that relevant to them in their lives? How is that similar to something they might be going through? So, if you Mm -hmm. can word your stories in a way that makes them feel seen and validated, then you can spin yarns all day. We all love hearing (laughs) stories that feel Mm -hmm. relevant to us, that make us feel seen, heard, all that kind of stuff. So, if Mm -hmm. you know that these stories are going to be impactful for the right people, share share as many of them and as you know for as long as you as you want but in terms of videos yes video video and emails is really effective the click-through rate on videos is way higher than on other hyperlinks so absolutely include that if you can and yeah have fun with it like put some personality into it I think a lot of it comes down to who you are if you're the kind of person that is funny and makes jokes and uses gifs and whatever then do that in your emails too because People want to see consistency. So if they see you showing up online as this really fun, silly, like outgoing personality and your emails feel really stiff and formal and boring, <laughs> that's going to create a jar and a disconnect. So be mm-hmm. whoever you are. If you are a little bit more straight-laced, probably not going to be using like Shit's Creek memes in your emails. Mm-hmm. And if you're like me and actually you find that stuff funny and you want to connect on that like, like humor level, then do it. Do whatever mm-hmm. feels... In your brand voice I guess is the the kind of crux of that
0: yeah or then you're like me who you try to be funny but no one thinks you're funny so <laughs> I just kind of leave it out of there I'm sure that's yeah funny. just <laughs> uh, we'll see you can read my emails later <laughs> but yeah so being yourself I think that's a really really big point of it mm-hmm. um I find a lot of people, as soon as they start to write one, they get overwhelmed with it, but then they just become mm-hmm. stiff and, or they try to be grimly correct. So you have a English literature degree, you said, mm-hmm. you're obviously no punctuation and all that. How do you feel about people going against what is proper from a mm-hmm. writing standpoint and just being however you would talk, however you would text your friends in emails? I feel
1: brilliant about it. I think that's a really good tip for copywriting in general is forget the school rules, like forget all the stuff that you're meant to do and talk like you speak and write like you speak because when we read emails we hear them as though someone was speaking we we read like we hear but we don't as a rule write like we speak but we should mm-hmm. because that's where the connection happens if we can make it sound like a human and not like a robot <laughs> especially right now in the you know the world of ai where people are able to create content at the drop of a hat, the thing that's going to make you stand out, that's going to make your email stand out from the crowd is that it couldn't have been written by a robot because it's too full of who you are. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's grammatical oddities or it's written in a silly tone of voice or it makes jokes. It's AI as of yet, whilst it's brilliant for many things, is not funny. <laughs> so <laughs> if you can find a way to infuse your copy with the way that you actually sound when you speak that's going to be really impactful so yeah just absolutely screw the rules you learn at school write in the way you speak try and use contractions because no one walks into a room and says hello i am here today to talk to you and say <laughs> hey i'm here today so write like that you know use contractions yeah. use abbreviations use anecdotes and and things that make it feel human
0: yeah, it's funny that you say that, because it's like, I always type however, don't know why I'm just like, always, however, and I was like, I never will say, we should do this. However, I also <laughs> think like I just I don't say that. But I always type it out. And that's like one word that I'm always scanning all of my copy, I'm like delete, delete, delete. But it's like, it's yeah. just so natural for me to actually write it that way. But like, one thing that I try to do is just like, take out all those professional words I'm gonna say, mm-hmm. like, that's just a thing that I'm trying to do personally. But now, so we've given a lot of tips in terms of what you could be doing from a launch perspective. Before I get into, I want to talk about a little bit of the mistakes that people talk about, mm-hmm. but wanted to ask you just from your experience with launching, how do you feel about launching often within your business versus just a couple times a year? Like, have you found like a sweet spot that's working for you?
1: I launch my main live coaching program twice a year. Okay. And I have other launches throughout the calendar that are maybe smaller or to specific parts of my audience. I think you can get burnout if you try and do big launches all the time, because it does take a lot from you and your email list can get burnout too. So I think this is kind of where segmentation comes in, which is a whole other conversation. But if you can, the smart move is to segment your email list into, if you've got numerous ideal clients that are suitable for different products so that you're targeting them with only the solutions that are appropriate for where they are at in their journey and which means that you can launch more often because you know you're launching a targeted product and solution to a targeted segment of your email list if you're just doing a launch with all of your emails going to your whole list every month that's gonna it's gonna tire people out pretty quickly you're gonna get launch fatigue your your email list are gonna get fatigue from hearing from you about selling too so mm-hmm. it depends on your product suite and on the type of launches you're doing but I would say generally speaking creating a bit of anticipation you know having a wait list having teaser offers or, or lower ticket things that people can buy into to start learning from you getting value from what you do and building up anticipation for your bigger launches is is usually more effective I've seen from my clients love that
0: love that love that so smaller launches throughout the year than a couple main big launches for your higher end product we can say right exactly yeah cool okay amazing so mistakes Hmm. hit me with some of the biggest mistakes that people make when launching from an email standpoint like what is like the ultimate things we need to avoid
1: the, the one I see the most often is people sending emails with just a list of features that people are going to get if they buy, you know, a list of every module, every lesson that's included in it, every Q&A call they're going to get, every template they're going to get. And it's just a laundry list of stuff because the most important thing is for people to see the value in it. And if you're just listing a whole bunch of stuff, you're not making clear what the value of that is. You might be putting a a numerical amount next to it, but we all know that means jackal when it's in one of those emails. You know, you're like, this is worth 5,000 pounds. And people are like, is it though? So (laughs) it's about, you know, making clear what the value is to the reader. Mm -hmm. And that means doing more than just listing the features. So that's a massive no-no, is just sending a list of features out. Other no-nos are just talking about yourself a whole bunch, you know, I'm passionate about this. My mission is this. When we open our emails, we want to know what's in it for us. So Mm. you want to ideally be focusing on the reader and their life, what their challenges look like, what their transformation could make possible for them, not why you want to sell this product and how brilliant you are. Not including social proof or any kind of case studies, testimonials is A wasted opportunity if you have them, because that's just the most, the most efficient and effective way to cement authority with your audience. Mm -hmm. So you need to be sharing those. I think also not sending enough emails is a really common one. I see people launching and they, you know, they, they send one or two emails. I maybe caught a glimpse of it. And then when you ask them how their launch went, oh, it was really terrible, just didn't go to plan. And you sort of think, well, I didn't even know it was happening until the last day. You know, you really didn't communicate that. And I think, as you were saying earlier, it comes from this place of fear. People are worried that they're going to bombard their list. Everyone's going to unsubscribe. If people are en masse unsubscribing from an email list they chose to sign up to, you're doing one of two things. You're selling the wrong stuff. (laughs) Or you're not selling it effectively. You're not communicating the value effectively. So if you are doing those two things, if you're selling genuine solutions to your audience's problems and communicating the value of that solution, you might get a few unsubscribes, but you're not going to lose your whole email list. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: it's worth always sending that extra email. Every time you think I've sent too many emails, send one more.
0: (laughs) Send one more. (laughs) Send one more. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah, every time I've done that, I've made another sale. Every time I've got to that point where I'm like, they're saturated, it's too much, I can't email again. I go, just send, just send one more, just one little email, (laughs) and almost always you get more sales from that that one last push. Love it. Which actually is is another really good point. One of the biggest mistakes you see is people not pushing hard right at the end. They think they can start off strong, and then when they're not making sales within a few days, they sort of just peter off. There are so many people who buy on the last day. I think something like 75% of my sales from my last round of my course came in on the last day of a week, cart open. Because people dance with the deadline, they sort of wait until the very last minute, they are umming and ahhing, and and they sit on the fence. And if you don't go really hard at the end, you will miss those people, Mm -hmm. because they are not going to come to you. You have to you have to be really clear about taking your offer to them.
0: Yeah. And that is the most frustrating thing with launching. (laughs) Like, It's like when you do it a few times, you're like, okay, this is just the expectation. This is what's going to happen. But the first time and you're like, why aren't people buying right away? I opened it today. Well, hello, should we flooding in? But yeah, it's, it's a frustrating thing, but it's so, so normal for that to happen. So do you recommend sending multiple emails on the last day? At least three. Yeah. Always,
1: I always send at least three on the last day, you know, there's a whatever your, your last day email is of this is your last opportunity to sign up. But then always a few hours before whatever the deadline is, just a reminder that this is closing, you know, this is your last chance, maybe some kind of mic drop bonus to incentivize people who are sitting on the fence. And a mic drop bonus for anyone who doesn't know what that is, is just like a last minute bonus or something you're releasing to to incentivize those people who are unsure to demonstrate the value even more clearly. So something that's irresistible and they go, okay, well, if that's included as well, then I'm in. So yeah, always send at least two or three emails on the last day because there are so many, so many more people than you know, are waiting for the email that gives them permission to make this purchase.
0: They're waiting.
1: And if they don't get an email from you on the last day that resonates, that gives them that permission they're not going to buy.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I like the whole give them permission, like have the copy, give that make them feel like they have the permission to actually move forward of whatever reason why they're being held back. Mm-hmm. It's like that one last push could be a game changer from a business perspective too.
1: Well, that's right. And re- and remember as well, people read emails one person at a time. They don't, you know, they know that you're sending it to a, a whole load of people, but that's not yeah. how, it, how it reads. You know, the amount of times that I'll send an email and someone will respond and be like, oh my God, it's like you read my mind. And mm-hmm. it's because they read that as a conversation between two people. So that email that you think isn't necessary, that se- that says something like, if you're sitting on the fence because you're worried that you can't do this, let me share this story of someone just like you who did. I promise you, mm-hmm. I've got you. You know, like, it literally is just that giving people permission. Like, you can invest in yourself. You can choose to take this opportunity to make your life easier, better, whatever. And sometimes people hearing that is is all they need to make that decision.
0: Yeah, I love that. Amazing. Honestly, we can talk about this all day long. (laughs) I've taken up enough of your time. So I wanted to thank you, first of all. But second of all, you haven't shared yet where our listeners can find you. I know you have your programs as well. You do your do it yourself services too. So Mm -hmm. share more about you, where they can find you.
1: Yeah, sure. So, uh, best places on Instagram, I'm at Copywriting Business Coach. And on Facebook, I've got a free group as well called Copy That Sells with a little exclamation mark at the end. So you can come in there and get free copy tips. And uh, we share kind of storytelling prompts and ways to engage your audience better and I also have a freebie that I'm going to share with you which I think you're going to attach to the show notes of this which is a guide to writing the ultimate launch email sequence so it's going to give you some tips and ideas on as we've discussed things to avoid but also some some structures and strategies for getting the most out of your launch emails.
0: Awesome. I'm super excited to look at that myself personally. But yes, I will link that in the show notes so you can download it right away. And then I always end my interview episodes asking one question. Mm -hmm. So if you could give a fellow entrepreneur advice, doesn't have to be copywriting related, just in general advice about entrepreneurship, what would that one piece of advice be?
1: (laughs) Find friends who are doing the same thing. Find friends who are entrepreneurs or business owners, because it can be, really lonely and really confusing and up and down and there there are just so many wonderful things about being your own boss and so many terrifying big things too so find people who get it who you can have those conversations with because maybe your family your partner won't necessarily always be on the same page or understand the specific challenges so I say find find your community find your people who understand what you're going through and can be there for
0: you through it I love that I love that, and you know what? I, I 100% agree. You're we're across the world from each other, but we're still able to he- sit here and connect. But I feel like when you're talking to a fellow entrepreneur, you just have you have a different connection because you get what each other's going through, and you get the launches, you get the everyday life of running a business, it's definitely can be lonely, but there's so many benefits to running your own business as well. So again, I just want to thank you so, so much. You've given us a lot to think about. I cannot wait to dive into that guide that you're giving us as well. So thank you for being on the more than social podcast. And I really, really appreciate all the tips that you've given us.
1: Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: Whoa, that was a lot of information. If you are planning on launching a program, just know, yes, it can be challenging, but it's super exciting, but with the right strategies, you can make it a huge success. Remember the key elements that you want to include in your email sequences, segmenting your list, creating that urgency without really being pushy. But as we wrap up, I would like to remind you that digital marketing, it's a constantly evolving landscape. There's always something new to learn. So keep experimenting, keep learning, keep growing your business, keep launching. But thank you so much for tuning into the More Than Social podcast. I will see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now. Thank you so much for hanging out with me on this episode. I am so grateful that you show up each and every week. I hope these tips and tricks have brought you some new ideas and new inspiration for your business. If you love this conversation, let me hear it. Leave us a rating and review on the More Than Social podcast. And be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Share it with someone who you know needs this message. And together, let's make an impact and let's make a business that we love. I'll see you next week.